Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody. Glad you could join us. We're going to have fun tonight, I promise you. I want to first thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. Uh, he and his wife have um, a lovely website out there. They are native storytellers, and they have been preserving that amazing tradition for, for years and years and years. If you've never heard any of the native storytellers strut their stuff, so to speak. You should really check them out. It's a great way of preserving history, cosmology, and all sorts of wonderful lessons for people in life. And uh, it's, a, it's a technique that I think is probably worth looking at and, and definitely a lot better than the dry old textbooks we shove down kids' throats these days that don't preserve history at all. So that said, tonight we have... Um, an exciting author on with us. Her name is Sonia Grace. And um, I want to tell you a little bit about her book. We have relied on science to tell us what happened in ancient sites around the world. It's time for research that is connected to source. Sonia Grace, her book, Spirit Traveler, Unlocking Ancient Mysteries and Secrets of Eight of the World's Great Historic Sites, takes a unique approach to analyzing why famous sites such as Stonehenge, Shelling Michael, Tiwanaku, I knew I was going to stumble on that one, Hagar Quinn, St. Winifred's Well, Chichen Itza, the Chafe Pyramid, and Rock of Cashel. Uh, a lot of sites that I had not been aware of, but now I'm thrilled with you know, taking a look and paying attention. And, and she looks into how they were constructed, or why, too. Scientists and archaeologists have written thousands of books about these sites, and while this information is crucial to our knowledge today, 
Much of the mystery about these places remains unsolved, and questions surrounding their purposes have lingered throughout time. Spirit Traveler, the companion book to the documentary film with the same title, offers a completely different perspective on why these sites were erected and what purpose they served. Sonia is a highly sought-after mystic, healer, artist, and storyteller with both Norwegian and Native American heritage. As an intuitive healer, she's been counseling an international roster of clients for over 30 years. Her ancestral background is a fascinating blend of Native American Choctaw and Cherokee descent, along with a little bit of Norwegian thrown in just for good measure. She's been adopted by the Hopi Reservation, where she is considered a medicine woman. The award-winning author of Spirit Traveler, Become an Earth Angel, and Dancing with Raven and Bear, she's appeared on multiple, t- multiple times with George Norrie on Beyond Belief and Coast to Coast to AM. It, the book is phenomenal. She has done an amazing, amazing job of giving you the historical history, according to the history books anyhow, on all of these sites, and they are researched beautifully. It's, it's just so well worth the effort to, to read the book for that alone, but, but then even more interesting and intriguing is how she spirit traveled to these sites back in time to watch their purpose and how they were constructed. So looking so forward to tonight. So... Welcome to the show, Sonia. Yay! Thanks for having me. I'm super happy to be here, and I'm 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 revved up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's you you have first of all the, the research you did on, on these sites is amazing, um, and some of these sites and and I'm a rock person. I my husband, late husband and I did a mm-hmm. documentary on the uh, secrets of the stones. You know, the stones that are mm-hmm. here in in the U.S., so I'm a rock person for sure. I mm-hmm. have done gem casting for a gazillion years, but you pulled some some sites that I was just not aware of, and I was fascinated by them. Um, it, it's uh, you know, it, it's not surprising. Every time you think you've seen it all and know it all, then somebody shows you that you haven't even begun, um, which is par for the course. But but you've, well, you've you pulled some. In, it, it, these sites are just amazing, yeah. and how people could not know about them is beyond. And I didn't know about several of them. I knew most. Well, and, but and not just all of to them. just to right, and just to jump in so that your listeners um, kind of know where all this came from. Um, I've I've actually I think that was an old. Um, uh, resume that you read, and I appreciate that you read it. Thank you that you had that information. But I, I, it's now 40 years. <laughs> How time flies when we're having fun. Um, I've been a mystic and a healer working in this field for 40 years. I'm actually older than that, but I tell people I'm only 24 because that's what I feel really good at. So there you have it, listeners. I'm 24. <laughs> and, and yes, uh, humor is very important to me. If we can't laugh through life, then we're missing the whole point. So I, I will laugh a lot with you tonight, Barbara, because I think it's important. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't take myself seriously. I have uh, lots of stories I could share with you about 
incredible miracles that have taken place working on people and repairing hearts and livers and spleens and, you know, removing cancer and illness and disease. And that's what I do all day long. I am working on people long distance all over the world and I'm doing deep emotional processing work with them at the same time because I feel it's important that we identify what is the cause of the illness? What is the emotional wound that's stuck in there? What is the karma that's attached to it? So I go in and sort of excavate all that and work with the client as well as doing the healing work. Meanwhile, while that's all going on, I'm literally you know, spirit traveling to people all over the world because I'm putting myself in front of that person and working on them. And, and how spirit traveling came about for me is not your typical, oh, you know, I astral project all the time. It, it wasn't that at all, actually. Um, years ago, I went to a, a cabin up in the mountains in eastern Oregon with my husband, and we were sitting outside. There was this lovely bench and a creek going by. It was the most picturesque, beautiful place. And it was, we were at the base of these mountains, the Wallowa Mountains, where I actually uh, went camping and hiked and, and packed in on horses as a kid. Uh, my family always went to the Wallowas every summer. And so it was a really special place for me. And I told my husband, I'm going to uh, just do a, a, a quick meditation and then you know, when I'm done, then we'll go fix dinner. And he said, no problem. And he sat down on the on the porch. There was a nice deck. And I'm sitting on this little bench out in this beautiful little yard. And, I'm, you know, it's like at mid-afternoon, late afternoon, 3.30 or something. And I go into meditation. <laughs> and... And my 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 whole process when I meditate is a is a grounding meditation that I teach and I do with all my clients and my students and everybody I work with. So I did my grounding meditation, and all of a sudden my body started to dissolve. It just literally was right in front of my eyes, turning into sand and just floating off in the air. And I'm. I'm, I'm noticing it, and I'm going, wow, I, I feel so good, and and I don't see my body anymore because it just turned to sand. And so it's totally dissolved. And then my guides, who are high angelic beings, stood in front of me and said, now you're ready to go. And I said, okay. And they held out their hands. I took their hands, and we went up. And up and up and up and up. And we kept going up for I don't know how long, but I no longer could see Earth. It, we were way out there. And they took me to what they said was the center of the universe. And we were, we were, we were in front of this big cloud of energy, like this white kind of milky substance. And these beings came out and, and, and welcomed us. And I recognized them. They were what I call the Savrock, the ant people. And the ant people are an ancient race of beings that were the first ones here on Earth. They've always been here, and they've helped people throughout history, through all natural disasters, everything that's happened. The ant people have been the ones to sort of save humanity from complete destruction. 
And there they were. They were right there at the center of the universe. I'm like, hey, I know you guys. <laughs> and they they said, they said, we want you to step into this milky substance. And I was like, I don't know, you know, like tipping my toe in there like, I don't know. And they said, it's okay. You'll be okay. And I stepped in and I went into the most profound state of bliss I had ever experienced in my life. I, my whole body, everything went into bliss. And I, and I felt, I can't even use words to describe how I felt. It was so incredible. And I, and I wanted to stay, of course. I wasn't going to come out. And my guides actually came in and got me and said, we have to go now. And I'm like, no, I want to stay here forever. <laughs> like, no, you got to go. So we thanked them and, you know, and there we were descending back down to earth. Well, you know, by the time I came back, um, it was pitch black out. It was about nine o'clock at night and I had been gone for hours and my husband is sitting there just holding vigil, standing guard uh, while, while I'm off gallivanting through the universe, bless his heart, he's he he uh he really you know stayed by me and 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 then you know then of course he said uh, are you ready to make dinner now <laughs> so so that was funny um but we you know that happened years ago and ever since then like the book spirit traveler whenever i have traveled to any site around the world it is only that i go into that state of meditation where my body dissolves and my guides hold their hands out and they pick the places where we're going to go. They picked every place in this book, all the places that I went to in spirit traveler. They're the ones that said, no, we need to show you this. No, we're going to show you this. So it's not like I'm just dialing up my guides and saying, Hey, let's go to, you know, India and look (laughs) at these ruins over here. No, uh-uh. it's only where they will take me. So it, it is a very different process for me. It's not something that I teach. And, and from what I understand that my guides shared with me, it was years of meditation that got me to that place where I was then able to achieve that state of consciousness. And, and you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to all my teachers uh, for helping me. Uh, get to the different plateaus that I have reached over time. And, and I, I, I would not be where I am today as a healer and as a, a medicine woman without the teachers that I've had. Mm-hmm. I would not. Well, you know, yeah. I noticed that, that uh, and, and we had spoken previously, and you, you said you had even yes. more travels that you had done. Um, but yes. I, I was fascinated with the fact that, that, you know, Ireland, Scotland, England, you know, you, there are quite a few in that area. And it's the Scarabray area that that you mm-hmm. seem to be kind of skirting around. And um, Scarabray is where history history has it that teachers from beyond would turn up there and, and tribes would send their mm-hmm. their, their brightest to, there to be to be taught by the the master teachers if you will that were there and then um 
Mm-hmm. It, it went on for a very long period of time, and then suddenly they no longer came. So, right. I'm, have, have, have you had any any connection to Scarabray at all, or is you know, yeah, I actually went in. I went in person. <laughs> that was the place I had to go to in person. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've I've traveled to Scotland about three different times. I've been to England numerous times. I'm very drawn to that whole area. I love Norway. I've been to Norway. Um, what came out since uh, uh, Spirit Traveler or Become an Earth Angel and Dancing with Raven and Bear is my oracle deck called Odin and the Nine Realms. And in the beginning of Odin and the Nine Realms, there's a book in the oracle deck, um, are, are my spirit travels to Norway and how the Norse gods took me into the Nine Realms. And that's a really fascinating read, aside from these uh, cards that are really fun to to play with. Yeah. So Star wow. Gray is, is, a, is, a, is a beautiful opening and i and i find it it very connected to um skellig michael and you know the tooth of Ladanen and the 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 whole i know you read this in the book but the oh how they came through the tooth of Ladanen were trying to stop these giants from getting in through to our realm and they ended up staying and hiding in the mountains and the hillsides to protect the people because the giants came through and there's tons of history back in, in uh, you know, early times, like, uh, um, trying to think of my time frame here, you know, 10,000 B.C., 8,000 B.C., where there were giants. They, they were here. Oh, yeah. And they've, well, they've the, been here all through Atlantis. Yeah. Well, the Tooth of Adenin, that was that was what I was trying to think of the other day when we were talking. Um, right. I've, I've run right. across them a number of times in, in, in different books and in different meditations. And mm-hmm. they, what, what, what is fascinating me currently the most is I, I want to go pre, pre-deluge. I want to go to the pre-diluvian time because that's mm-hmm. where, that's where I think that there were, um, cultures and, and, and societies that were far exceeding us in our in the technological skills that they had and that's where i'm fascinated with uh you know finding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of material on them you have to really really stretch it and and you know as far as Mm -hmm. giants go you bet you bet they've been well they they've been around Mm -hmm. let's see in the 1800s they were finding giant bones all over the uh all over the country and unfortunately they thought they were so cool they destroyed them and they used them as doorstops and and this and you know the smithsonian took what they could and just you know and discarded them so um but well, yeah the, and the, the little the people giant, as the well giants that i the giants that i encountered called moo and they were called moo after the people of lumeria who referred to lumeria as moo um, uh-huh. call, they they named Lumeria Moo not because it was their nickname for their for their civilization, but because the giants Moo came through and helped the people. They're the ones who were the architects of all the pyramids and all the huge uh, structures around the planet that 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 have 
know, everybody's has everybody baffled for centuries, if not longer. And and they um, they came here to help. They came here to help humanity. And I think that they're um, they're very much a part of Atlantis. And of course, they did leave after they helped set things up, but they came back again and and were a part of the reconstruction of of what happened when Atlantis fell, which, by the way, I do consider the landmass that existed between Africa, the northern part of Africa and Europe, the remaining remnants of it are the uh, Malta and the Canary Islands, uh, but that huge uh-huh. landmass between those two landmasses broke off and went under the down in the ocean and followed the stream all the way down to Antarctica. So I feel that that's where uh, much of Atlantis sits today <laughs> is down in Antarctica. Um, and I, and I think that Lumeria was very much a part of Skellig Michael and, you know, the, the whole coastline and Ireland, that whole area used to be connected to Greenland it was one giant uh-huh. landmass, and the people migrated across North America, and they migrated down the co- the coast of Russia, and all the way down to what is now Japan. And the end uh, the end of this huge civilization, Lemuria, which lasted for thousands and thousands of years, was in the area of Japan, which is why they have all these sites and ruined sites underwater. So it's, it's yeah, and it, you know it's, it's dicey business when comets hit the earth because a lot of stuff oh, changes yeah. and then it's a big mystery, right? Yeah. Well, and you know the 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 big statues that they have at a lot of the temples in in Egypt, especially, I have <clears throat> I've always said they're life size. These aren't exaggerations. Mm-hmm. These are life size statues of yeah. giants that were here, and and right. you know people just look at me. I mean, they did exist. Of course, they did. But right. uh, you know, our right. history is so is so incredible, and and unfortunately, the history books just um, don't don't depict as we uncover things, as we learn truths about things. The history books aren't reflecting the, the material that we're learning; they just hold to the you know to what the eighteen hundreds, eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds yeah. theories of a yeah. lot of things, and and there's so much. Ex- Exciting stuff out there that has been proved that you right. know archaeologists right. have absolutely verified that uh, a, a lot of the stuff that has gone on is you know misleading and and it's time to renew and review. So it's, right. it's going to be right, and, 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 and you can say that you can make that statement across the board. I mean, you can look at stuff in in medicine right now, and you can look at what the natural world is doing, meaning naturopaths and acupuncturists and volumes of knowledge of Chinese medicine for centuries, and what Western medicine has deemed this is what it is. And then suddenly, you know, years later, they adapt something that has been known in Chinese medicine for a billion years, and and they're going, oh, you know, it's really a good thing to use ginger. <laughs> so we, you know, we we've got it in in all industries where we have been we have been uh, formed and molded into certain belief systems 
based on religion, based on culture, based on who's, who's ruling, who's in charge. And that is, it's kind of coming undone everywhere. When I, when I finally went to England years ago, and um, it was after I wrote Spirit Traveler, um, I, ha- I was in the car with a, a film crew, and, and we had a driver, and, and we were talking about Stonehenge and what I had found in my spirit travels. And it was so interesting because the driver said, you know, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but you, you, I've been listening to what you're saying. And he said, I am a junior archaeologist. He said, I, I like to go out on digs, but I'm not an archaeologist. I go out with the real archaeologists. And he said, recently we were out digging and we found the tooth of an aurochs, and it's like a big cow. And he says, do uh-huh. you know what that did, what, what that tooth determined? And I said, what? And he said, it changed all the dates for when Stonehenge was built. He said, it, and it's true, I say this in Spirit Traveler, that it was built, you know, according to historians, somewhere in 2000-something B.C. And I have stated that it was built more around 4,000 B.C. And, and you know, he, he said, your dates are much more accurate based on what we just found. And I said, well, put that in the textbooks. <laughs> and, and he said that, yeah, he says, he says that's the problem, is they're going to have to rewrite all the textbooks. Well, they haven't rewritten the textbooks, and that was probably five, six years ago. So it, it kind of oh, yeah. makes you wonder what else has been discovered that they're just, they, meaning historians, whatever, governments, they're just sitting on because they don't want to go to the trouble of saying this was recorded incorrectly, right? Well, and I think that what what is what is so phenomenal they they um, you know when we don't understand something we make up a myth to make it right and explain it away mm-hmm. and and unfortunately uh, you know we are only describing things from our frame of reference. And as technology uncovers level, you know, layer after layer after layer, then it then it becomes like, oh, wait a minute, you, you I was wrong. Okay, so yep. show me what's yep. new. I mean, what 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 lidar is doing with South America now is uh, the Yucatan Peninsula, especially, mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and not only that, but with um, not with lidar, but. Uh, with the melting ice in Antarctica, they're they're discovering um, cities that were down there. And at one time, Antarctica was at the at the equator, and it was almost right. tropical. So, so right. you know, of course, there have to be villages and towns and all sorts of things that are there. And uh, you know, it 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 boggles the mind that that yeah. We, and and this covers all areas, not just history, but as you said, medicine and, and technology and everything, it, 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 everything is exploding with new discoveries all the time. And, and, you know, and we're still driving around in, you know, cars that have, you know, gasoline where, where the, theoretically we could have other forms of transportation. So, um, well, and, 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 and it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder when, when things are withheld, like I know they've found, the chambers that are under the Sphinx in Egypt. There are two chambers under the Sphinx, but I've also gone back to 10,000 BC, gone down the shaft of Osiris, 
and went through a whole thing under there and found a huge room with all kinds of archives and things kept in there. Some would call it the library. And and these chambers that were used for Sekhmet, they were used for ritual and ceremony. They were used for training the initiates. And one of the chambers was used for healing. I know that's been recorded that those chambers have been found. But I do believe there's other things that have been found that they are choosing to withhold. And so, you know, until the governments uh, release the information that they have, I mean, we're all sitting around waiting for JFK stuff to come out, and they're still not releasing it. So, you know, it's like I, I I asked a client of mine today, I said, how far back do conspiracy theories go? And, and we laughed. She goes, oh, the, she said the 70s. And I said, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, and we, we talked about it starting with conspiracy, starting with JFK, because uh, people were speculating what happened and who killed him. And it was so, you know, traumatizing for those of us who were alive and experiencing that. And and yet, and yet, you know, now we look at the word conspiracy today, and it's it's almost like a bad word. It's like you 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 know you drop the f bomb or something. So, I find oh, yeah. it fascinating how these things that we go through as a society shift and morph and change, and like you said, Barbara, get recorded. Who's recording it? How is it being told to you? Well, most of the time in the past, it was the the monks who were recording history. It was the, the squire who served the king. And the king said, yep, you're going to tell him I was this, this, and this. You're not going to write that. Well, you know what they say. They say that, you know, history goes to the victor. So mm-hmm. so it's a matter of, mm-hmm. you know, who, whoever was on top at the time that they wrote the history. You can go back to mm-hmm. Constantine. You can go back. I mean, you, no matter what, um, if you're in power and you won the war, then you wrote the history. Mm-hmm. And, and it was definitely shaded to your size because you were right. Um, <laughs> so Well, and, you know, and, and on a funny note, just because it's a funny story and I'm sure it will amuse your your listeners, uh, of a good friend of mine is from Ireland, and he and I talk about history a lot. And he said that a long time ago, the Irish men would show up to the battlefield completely naked. <laughs> and he said that they would go to war completely naked, and it would freak out all the guys that they were fighting. And I thought, wow, that's such an interesting way of approaching war. Like, yeah, you just, you know, scare the crap out of them because you're you're stark naked. So I always well, laugh when I think about ancient Ireland, you know, ancient Irish people fighting. It's like, oh yeah, they don't have anything on. <laughs> well, look at the the original Olympics. All of the athletes um, participated mm-hmm. naked. Um, right, right, and we can take it back to the gladiators. I mean, I always, uh-huh. if I, I never, I don't watch football, but if I happen to walk by a television and there, there, there's a football game on, I, I am immediately transported back to the gladiators fighting in, in the, in the, in the ring. It's like, oh, yep, we're just repeating history again, and that's a really important point. Not that. You know, anyone's running out to the battlefield naked right now. But the important point about history, 
is history repeats. And I cannot say that enough to your wise and very tuned in uh, astute, you know, listeners of this show. I, uh, history repeats. And I'm sure all of you have looked back and gone, wow, we're just doing this again. And we're repeating this again. And, and you know, where you really get a good dose of how much history is repeating is when you sit down with somebody who's about 88, maybe 90 years old, and they start telling you stories about what happened back then. Then you go, wow, oh, yeah. we're just, we're repeating history. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The, the di- absolutely. The, di- the difference, too, to me right now, and I'm not saying this didn't exist in the past, but I'm going to say now in history, our society is so incredibly addicted that we can't see the forest through the trees. And what I mean by addicted is we're addicted to our phones. We're addicted to shopping, gaming, uh, surfing the net, alcohol, drugs, pot, you name it, we're addicted. And and to me, it, what's so hard, as I'm sure your listeners have experienced, like how do I get this point across to these people, what's so hard is in an addicted society, it's like if anyone knows what a dysfunctional family is like, there's usually the, you know, I'm going to use alcohol as an example. There's the alcoholic, there's the co-alcoholic, and then there's all the codependents, and everybody walks on eggshells so that, you know, we don't disrupt and upset the, the you know, the person who is leading the way. And we, we uh-huh. God, as a society, we do this over and over and over again. Mini pockets, big pockets, giant, huge entire countries acting as if we are one big dysfunctional family. And I, I, I feel, I feel very strongly historically that there have been times in history. I think of Julius Caesar when things were really dysfunctional and everybody was walking on eggshells and, you know, and, and, and people have repeated this, but we have added to the addiction bucket so much you know, our our fascination with our phones is just over the top, over the top. Yeah, I have to admit there was a while there after I moved that I was without phones or Internet. And, oh, mm-hmm. my goodness, I felt, I felt like I was living in a vacuum. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah. It, 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 yeah. it's we're, kind of we, like, you We all you get know, used to it. You know, I can't research. I can't do anything. This is this is this sucks. <laughs> Happily, right. I had books, so you know we we survived it all right. Um, I wanted to ask you: Have you ever done any research into the Bosnian pyramids? The Bosnian pyramids. Let me see. I was just in. Um, I was just in. Um, I. I have not been to them uh, spirit traveling, no. But I just did season four of Ancient Civilizations on Gaia TV. I'm I'm actually in all, uh, I'm in the whole series. But um, a lot of my spirit travels have been uh, kind of directed on, um, you know, where where the guides are telling me to go and how it relates uh-huh. to 
what I'm sharing information-wise on the show. Um, I, I think, um, let me see, I think... Um, the reason I asked is because I've had Dr. Sam on the show a number of times, and they oh. have found that the tunnels have so much so many negative ions in them that healing is taking place with the people that are volunteering to help. Oh, how cool. How cool. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing um, from arthritis to asthma to cancer. Um, healings take place. Oh it, 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 it's a unique oh. dig in that people volunteer to go help with the excavation. So they have volunteers that are that are clearing the passages out towards the uh That is so cool. Pyramid. I'm going to look into that. Where where I spirit traveled back to was the Carpathian Sphinx, and that is in Romania. So I, when uh-huh. you said Bosnia, my brain just kind of did this bloop over to, no, I was in Romania. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's very cool about the healing part because, um, you know, that that's um, definitely something I want to check out. Oh yeah, he's got a, so, a healing center there now, I think too. So, um, but mm-hmm. they don't know they're they're dating them to about forty thousand years old. So, um, oh, interesting. And I took when when we were doing the remote viewing, we went into the Bosnian pyramid, and it was mm-hmm. it was a very fascinating trip. So. Always we seem oh, to bet. go back and I bet. Yeah, I, I have found that whenever we did remote viewing, we we went back in time, and and it uh-huh. was like seeing the foundation and the, and the history and what things were and why they were there, and especially under the Giza Plateau mm-hmm. when we did that, that was again mm-hmm. tunnels and and um, all mm-hmm. sorts of technology mm-hmm. that was there. And I think the Egyptians don't, you know, they say they don't want to do any digging because they don't want to destabilize the pyramids, but um, the chambers are already there. So it's a matter of finding them. And, you know, you don't have to do any further digging than just getting into the into the tunnels that are there. And, you know, then, then you don't have to dig anymore because they, they theoretically are, are fully functional at this moment in time. Right, right. They are. They are, and I, I've been in those tunnels and uh, show on ancient civilizations about what's under the Giza Plateau, and it, it was fascinating because there there's huge tunnels, and they go for miles across <laughs> from one spot <laughs> to the other. They're, they're really I, tremendous. I was wondering, in a couple of places you talk about um, – when you put your hands out to your guides and they take you, you talk about a cape. Do you always have a cape mm-hmm. on when you when you do this? No, I I, I had a, a back when I wrote the book. I actually had a green cape that was like my coat, and I would I would wear that. Um, but I I did not. You know, I, I sometimes I just grab a jacket. <laughs> Sometimes I, you know, I, I have a warm sweater that I wear. I just have my sweater on. But usually I try to dress warm because I do experience uh, the cold. I experience rain and I experience the elements big time. The one, the one, um, the one 
spirit travel that I wanted to share with you that's not in the book was when I spirit traveled back to the ziggurat of Ur. And this was an amazing place because, you know, there's a big temple over it now, but it is not, um, it is not uh, back in the day because I went back to 15,000 B.C. And there was nothing around except the, sort of this little kind of temple thing o- over the opening. It was just like a couple of rocks like, oh, this is it, you know. And the opening went into the earth. But what happened was, um, we we went down through this tunnel with the, the Savrock, the ant people, and <clears throat> when we reached our destination, there was this huge opening and this giant cave underground, and it had multiple rooms. There was a big lake back there. It's like it had its own atmosphere, and there were there were roots hanging from the tree that was above underground, so you could see the roots. And this is where the ant people took some of the people of Atlantis. When Atlantis fell, of course, everybody had to, you know, hightail it out of there if they could. And the ant people took some of the people to this place and took them underground. And the people were, um, were, you know, they had water and they had what they, they needed to survive while the earth settled back down. And when it was time to emerge, um, they noticed that there was greens kind of growing off the roots. Like, okay, life's coming back. Now we can come back out. And uh-huh. <clears throat> as they emerged through the opening, um, they came, they, all these people came out and they called the tree the tree of life because it gave them life to come back to the earth's surface. And the tree had given them hope. And the man and the woman who led the party, led them out, the leaders of this group, would evolve over time to be known as Adam and Eve. The Savrock told me that, yeah, that there was this uh, great tree of life at the center of the universe, which I have since then gone to and visited with the Norse gods. And it was, um, it, was, it was such a cool way of learning because you and I both know that stories evolve over time. So, you know, you've uh-huh. got this great book called the Bible and you've got these stories in there. And if you look back into Sumerian time and, and even Egyptian time, there's so many echoings of stories long before, you know, the Bible was written that are echoed throughout the Bible. So the idea that, you know, the Savrock were showing me uh, the, the figures, Adam and Eve, were um, the people who led them out of this ziggurat of Ur was really interesting. I, I so enjoyed um, getting a, an earlier preview of, of the story. So when you are taken to a site, do you know mm-hmm. what what it's going to be or do they surprise you a couple times they've surprised me i'm like where are we going we're not telling you (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um you know they they've surprised me a few times but um most of the time they will give me a little bit of a warning like 
you know, we're going to go here now. But uh, I'd say many times they've surprised me. One of the chapters is about Chichen Itza, which is down in in, uh, Mexico. It's inland Uh from Cancun and Playa de Carmen. And um, that was a powerful spirit travel back there because when I went back, I was taken I was taken into the pyramid, but I was taken up the stairs of the pyramid, which usually if you went up the stairs, you weren't going to return because you were being sacrificed. So it it was a little scary in that way. And, um, and of course I watched all the priests come down the stairs and turn in jaguars and go off into the, into the jungle. So it was like a really like supercharged, really intense energy there. And, and, and I knew that there, when we went in, there was another pyramid underneath that. Like, like the bigger pyramid was built over top of smaller pyramid. And, uh-huh. and we went down underneath all of it um, and, 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 and met Kukula Khan, who is the great serpent, um, a lot of different cultures have different names for Kukula Khan. But that was such a powerful experience because I'm a water girl, you know. I, I love the water and I'm I'm very much a, a, you know, we have to save the water kind of person. So it uh-huh. was very important to me to have that meeting. Um, and I felt that, that uh, it, it, I felt it was, important that Kukula Khan explained to me he never asked for human sacrifice it was the people who decided that it was it was their egos that decided well if we do this then the gods will come back and that's true all over the world people have sacrificed other people or animals or whatever because they're so desperate to have the gods come back and you know of course I'm talking about times when the gods actually were seen, they would appear, they would walk amongst the people, they would take human form. But now, you know, <clears throat> that doesn't happen now because we're, we're, we're quite disconnected from the planet. Absolutely. No, I think that was one of the things that, you know, when <clears throat> I read that, I thought, you know, that makes sense to me because yeah. I, I just don't believe any, <clears throat> I, I, I have it, it's hard for me to conceptualize a God wanting a human sacrifice. Right. Um, doesn't make sense. And, and, or a sheep or a goat or a chicken or whatever. It just, um, mm-hmm. that's wasteful. Uh, and God's, to, it, in my mind, they, they, don't, yeah. they don't want that or expect that. So it would, no. you know, you've been, you've been no. doing it's, this. It's... Go ahead. Look ahead. No, I was, well, I was just going to say, it's the undoing. It's the undoing of humans. You know, it's our, it's the ego. It's the, it's the unhealthy ego that is, you know, that's getting frustrated. It's the wounded three-year-old stomping their foot saying, no, I want them to come back. Only now it's a 35-year-old man stomping his foot going, no, I want them to come back. And we're going to yeah, sacrifice know, you to make it happen. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, now, I didn't mean to interrupt have you. you. Been, oh, that's okay. Have you been to Turkey? Because there's a site there that I've always been fascinated by, and that's Derenkuyu. 
I, I haven't been to that site, but yes, I have spirit traveled back to um, Turkey uh, to what is it called Anato- Anatolia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes. there's Gobekli Tepe too in Turkey. Yes, I have gone to Gobekli Tepe, and I actually did a whole. There's a whole episode on Gobekli Tepe that uh, that was fascinating to me, um, and I and I'd love to share with your listeners uh, when I spirit traveled back there. Um, oh yeah, it was. Please. Yeah, it was uh, around 10,000 BC, and the um, the ant people, the Savrok, had led the they they were called the magicians, and these were the the initiates that trained with Sekhmet. Sekhmet is the half lion, half female goddess, Egyptian goddess. But she arrived long before the Egyptian gods. She arrived with her own people from the the lion constellation out there in the sky um, during Atlantis. And many people worshipped her and Basset and all of their kind. So she stayed behind, which is why she got grouped with the Egyptian gods and she you know she stayed behind to help the people but her magicians were led out of Egypt to Turkey to Gobekli Tepe and they um, and they went underground everybody had to go underground because the the air you couldn't breathe the air I mean it was it was really bad what had happened but all the it was so cool all the animals that were carved into the the um the pillars there and you can see them to this day those were the animals that these magicians knew how to shape shift into and they were uh-huh. they were really powerful they were shapeshifters they were healers and they kind of like that was their place gobekli tepe was their place and they did ceremony and ritual there and evolved over time through history, you know, generations of them evolving in that place. And much like, you know, back, we're going to go back to England, uh, Stonehenge, uh, prior to Stonehenge being built, you know, you had all this goddess worship. You had Salisbury Plain was a giant portal. It was Uh a huge portal, not just Stonehenge, but it was the whole Salisbury Plain. And the people did ceremonies, and they showed me how, you know, different different uh, markers were used over time to mark the portal. And the reason they marked these portals is because energy would come from the cosmos to the earth, and earth energy would leave and go up to the cosmos. Some of these portals just received cosmic energy. Some of them just released earth energy. And that, that, that place in England and showing me all the different phases that it went through before the Pleiadians, yes, I'm going to say that again, before the Pleiadians, who were the ones that helped develop this whole area, built Stonehenge. They're the ones that moved those big stones. Don't let anybody else fool you. <laughs> they, the, the Pleiadians are demigods. They're just like the Norse gods, the Greek gods, the Egyptian gods, the Hopi gods, the Mayan gods. They are gods. They don't want to be known as that. They've always hidden and flown under the radar. But they have so much to do 
with, with you know, creating and helping build societies all over the earth. So here they are. They're creating this society. They're coming through these portals. The people are experiencing them. There are high priestesses who are running the ceremonies. They're the ones who are taking care of the people. Avery Circle was a giant hospital. They had healing pits where the people would lay in the pits and if they were very ill, they were literally transported, I kid you not, all the way up to Pleiades. They were doctored and healed and brought back down. These healing pits were super, super powerful. And, and they used that Avebury Circle, which is just down the road from, from Stonehenge, as their hospital. There was another stone circle I went to. I can't think of the name of it, but it was also... Uh, like a hospital in the same way that Avebury was. And I'm telling you, the, the, the people, it's like talking about the magicians at Gobekli Tepe, the people of ancient times had so much ability and so much awareness. Why? Why did they have that? Because everybody lived close to the earth. Everybody communicated with her. She was the main source the main goddess, and she was the one that everybody went to. She came to me one day, I just out of the blue, I was out in the garden, and boom, there she was, this giant, giant, giant goddess spirit in front of me. And we had this incredible conversation, and she said, she said, you know, people used to come to me with their stories. They would sit and tell me their problems they would cry they would share their sorrow their grief their happiness and she said they don't do that anymore that's all she said she never complained or said oh those nasty humans they don't know how to take care of you know they she never said anything like that she just said they don't do that anymore and I thought oh my god you know we we were again we're so addicted we're so addicted to so many things and yet, as I'm sure your listeners do, the more we can go outside and we can really connect with her. That's our first and foremost relationship. Aside, everybody gets all, you know, wound up about, oh, you know, he's my soulmate and she's my twin flame and, you know, all that stuff. That means close to nothing in comparison to your relationship with this planet. And what she told me the other day that I thought was really interesting is she said when she leaves her body, which now I'm going to go universal on you guys, all the planets are celestial beings. The fact that their body is round and blue is means nothing. You know, we've got, you know, people who are different colors and different shapes, so they're round, Okay. So they're celestial beings. They're benevolent beings. So one day when the earth is done, meaning, you know, the planet has been here for billions of years and now it's going to go away, she will go and inhabit a new planet that's forming somewhere out in the universe. And guess what? She told me that we all as infinite souls now having a human experience will go to wherever she is, that we will always reincarnate where she is. I found that fascinating, that we have such a long-term relationship, marriage, partnership, 
family ship with this goddess and it, it and it will go on it, it, it for infinity my mind got blown <laughs> well that makes sense and and you know yeah. there's a a process called earthing uh there's a mm-hmm. it's a small book out there but it talks about how if you walk with your bare feet on the earth for a certain amount of time each day Basically, what it's going to do is to synchronize your heartbeat with the heartbeat of the earth. And mm-hmm. when you think about Native Americans or, you know, whatever they want to be called these days, um, they, they, they were one with the earth, and there was very little illness. There was very little um, sickness of any sort. And it, it was because mm-hmm. they were in so synchronistic to the, to the earth energy that their bodies were in in harmony with that and um of course you know they they didn't have the same corrupt types of stuff that we have that we throw in our bodies today at the time but but um i found that there there have been times when i used to live in connecticut where we have very very bad winters and it would get to be probably around the, the february time frame i would so want to sort of feel the earth i would i would go to a we had a huge, huge nursery there, and they, they, they knew they'd see me in, in February. And all I would do is I'd, I'd go in and I'd take off my shoes and socks and I'd walk in the greenhouses so that I could be in touch mm-hmm. with the earth mm-hmm. because it, it, it yeah. was kind of like connect connect again and, and say, you know, I missed you. you know? <laughs> well, the and, and there's, so, mu- there's so much that is, yes, and there's so much that's connected to this planet. I mean, you've got the David realm. All the the plants uh-huh. and tree spirits, and you've got the fairies and the sprites. You've got the Menahuni or the little people. You know, you've got you've got all these different elements that still are alive and well and exist. And then on top of it, you've got, you know, I mean, you've got you've got the whole unseen world which we naturally come from. Our natural state of being is in spirit form. So this whole notion of holding on to our bodies and being so attached to being human is is kind of laughable because we're infinite souls and we naturally exist in that unseen world. And and yet, you know, obviously the karmic expression experience of being human is to get over ourselves. (laughs) This is true. This is true. No, I, I think you, you you hit on something that's very very relevant. I most mm-hmm. people just don't have the 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 um, the vision of the fact that that we're in an avatar. We are not the avatar. Mm-hmm. We are the spirit that rides within, and right. and therefore we will move on and we will reincarnate right. in another avatar. And um, you know, I, I jokingly say, you know, I. Next time I'm going to go for a different body type because, you know, this one is, you know, I haven't Mm -hmm. found all the buttons and everything yet in this one, but, you know, I've only had it for 77 years, so sooner or later I'll figure it out. But it's it's sort of like there is a tomorrow, and our tomorrows are endless. And, you know, while while perhaps perhaps not here on the earth plane, but – you can come back, and and we do, and we come back, and we come back, and we come back, and and there's a journey we're on, and sooner or later we we 
transition to possibly even off this planet to other planets. And so that there's a, mm-hmm. a sense here of there is an eternal, timeless journey that we're on, and it's, it's exciting well, and, and it's and Barbara, wonderful. It is. And my understanding and what I've learned through my spirit travels is that after Atlantis and Lemuria fell, these huge civilizations went down because comets hit the earth and earthquakes uh-huh. happened and volcanic eruptions. You know, when comets hit the earth, there you can't breathe the air. The debris, the, the dirt, the sand, everything in the air is so thick. So everybody went underground, but around 10,000 B.C., is when these huge portals started opening up. And when the earth opens up these portals, they're like that sign that Batman, they put up in the sky to bring Batman in to, you know, come help in Gotham City. It's like, it's like this big giant, you know, like, okay, we're ready. And that's when all the, dem- that's when all the demigods come through. So the Norse gods come through, the Egyptian gods, the Greek gods, all the different groups come through, and they've got their pod of people. They're, they're helping to develop a new civilization. And it is at that time that all of us souls that came through, you know, at the end of Atlantis or Lemuria, that we agreed and said, yeah, okay, I'll sign the contract. I'm going to have multiple lives. I'm going to incur karma, and I'm going to have amnesia every time I get reincarnated. Oh, goody. So we all agreed yeah. to do that in effort to raise the consciousness of this dense physical form that we're inhabiting. Now, the, the thing that's happening right now is that we are coming to the end of this phase of humanity, and this is why... So many people, especially in the spiritual community, are rushing to get their spiritual groove on because we, we are really in this, okay, I feel it coming, I feel it coming. I'm sure your listeners can relate to this. Like everybody's waiting for some shoe to drop or that there's something that's going to happen, but I just can't put my finger on it, but I feel it. And uh-huh. yes, it is. And the reason that it's so important for all of us to stay in the moment, to really stay centered in the moment and only live in that present moment is because the minute we go off into the future or into the past, we're no longer capable of managing the energy that's coming through. And I'm talking about the fact that we've been in the fifth dimension since 2012. So here we are now, 2021. Pardon? I, I agreed with you. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. We're on the verge. You know, we're, on, we're, in, we're getting ready for 2022. So we're well into this fifth dimension. And, and uh, it's, it's a struggle. People are having a very difficult time managing their energy, managing their spiritualism. What is my purpose? Why am I here? And there's a demand for a lot of information all at once, which as I'm sure your listeners know, you can completely overdose on information online. <laughs> so, oh, oh, geez, yeah. You know, take take well, it and no, you're, you're absolutely, but... you're absolutely right. I, I have I get calls every day with people who are spiritually oriented, and and yet there it, it's sort of like I don't know what to do. I know there have to be changes. I know I have to be. I feel there's a there's something I need to be doing. I don't know what it is, and and. 
you know, it's I've I've never heard panic coming from so many people um, at there one is, time. There is. It, it is. It's, it's, and and let it's, me go uh, back. To, let me go back to that that the the earlier picture that I painted about addiction. What is at the core of addiction? Fear. Why do people get addicted to stuff? Because they don't want to feel their feelings. They don't want to deal with whatever it is that's going on. There is a whole lot of fear going on right now. And the best way to deal with fear in some people's books is to eat. I'm just going to eat cake today. Some people want to shop. Nope, I feel better when I go shopping. Some people want to just stay on their phone. They want to stay up all night and play games. I mean, you know, everybody copes and deals with fear in a different way. And and with that feeling that we're coming to the end of a phase of humanity, what does that mean? Does that mean there's a cataclysmic event? Does that mean Earth is going to do her thing? Well, you know, I think there's going to be some Earth events, yes. But I think more importantly, what we should all be focused on is what are we giving our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren to proceed because they're the ones that will carry on and start the next phase of humanity. So it's up to all of us adults in the room to do the work that we, if as long as we're doing the inner work and we're clearing things out, you know, the emotional wounds, the karma, all that stuff, then we're helping them. We're making a better pathway for them. And, and I can't say that enough. Every time you work on yourself and your inner stuff, your emotional wounds, you're helping your family, you're helping your whole community. And we can't get enough of that because a lot of people out there need help. Oh, that's true. Now, you, you know, mm-hmm. there are lots of the you you've you've hit a lot of portals in in your traveling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um i'm i'm noticing that portals are becoming activated again mhm mhm i'm Which, i'm i'm seeing portals every day i mean i go in and clear people i clear entities and alien stuff off of people i, I remove implants out of people and i i close portals all day long these portals open up there's tons of alien life coming through to earth right now and you know we're we're under siege actually because um they don't like the way we've been handling and taking care of this planet and they would love to step in and take over so it's another reason just saying to your listeners that we keep our energy field really strong really bright really really high energy lots of meditation lots of laughter and happiness because the more you keep that energy field strong, then the less likely you've got stuff coming in wanting to pester you or, you know, or worse. So it's important oh, yeah. that, and we, that we take responsibility for our energy in this fifth dimension. The fifth dimension is like a giant train station, and everybody's trying to decide, where am I going to go? I think I'll go to the seventh <laughs> dimension. I kind of like the eighth dimension. You know, everybody's trying to figure out where they want to go. It, it is it is fascinating to watch. It, it's almost like I sit back and I watch people so confused, and, and you know, you mm-hmm. kind of want to – I listen more than anything else because a lot of times people will answer their own questions if you give them the space to talk enough. 
And mm-hmm. it's it's just it's fascinating to watch the growth patterns that are going on, the people that are, are stretching and expanding and you know, there there are of course, you know, downsides to a lot of this, but for the most part I, I feel very positive about the changes that we're going through. And mm-hmm. um I I know that, that the portals um are important. It's important to recognize that they're there, just like the ley lines, just like you know all of the other spiritual um, tools that are Aspects. out there for us to uh-huh. work with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it, yeah. it's sort of like pay attention. You know, pay attention to the energy. I know that that I I sometimes you know I sometimes I will be in places where I just have to leave because the energy just doesn't feel good. And, you know, sometimes right. you feel foolish when you say, Jesus, you know, I'm so, so sorry, but I have to get out of here. <laughs> right, so. right. It's true. It's true. And, and, there, and there are places that are uh, riddled with the ancient past, the not-so-far-away past, um, things that have happened, people have died, there's been war. Um, what, what I find really fascinating is the desire that some people have to go to certain sites and maybe not particularly check in with the locals, you know, the local tribe, the local people to find out even if it's okay to go there. And I I tell you, if there's one thing I have learned my whole life being, you know, part native and being adopted out of the Hopi reservation is there are some places on the planet that aren't meant for humans and we're not meant to go there and it's, it's not our place. And mm-hmm. when you come from a tribal understanding and, and that consciousness that, you know, only certain people who have been initiated into certain things can know or handle certain information. You know, in today's spiritual world, um, I've seen a lot of people get mad about that, get real upset. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, I can know that or I can do that. And yet I find that sometimes those are the very people that end up getting hurt and end up, you know, doing something that actually has, has come back on them and hurt them. So I'm I'm always really uh, you know sort of uh, encouraging people and telling people to be very careful when you go visit sites, any ancient site, any you know uh, be, you know place like Stonehenge or any place else, because there are energies that live there. There are things that you don't know that you've never seen that live in these places and to have the utmost respect, you know, to, I always leave an offering. I take food and I give an offering to the spirits of the land and say a prayer and ask them to, 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 you know, to accept us there and ask that it's okay that we enter. Um, And I, I encourage everybody to do that because we're, we've kind of lost sight and a, a lot of places around the planet I'm seeing uh, the the magic, the energy of that place is literally being sucked dry. It was like, oh my God, there's nothing left. Oh my goodness. Well, now you, yeah. you do you have another book coming out? Is there 
Yes, you meant I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm working on the second Spirit Traveler book, yes. And I'm and what, really what excited you, about it. What sites are you visiting there? Um, the, that book is just about Osiris's shaft. It's, it is just about the one spirit travel that I had uh, to Osiris's shaft. And it was, um, it was very powerful. I, I had to go through uh, an initiation of, of sorts in order to go into the underworld. I had to experience the seven deaths. And, um, you know, to, to date in my, you know, years of being on the planet, I would say that was probably the most profound and intense thing I've had to go through. And, and I, I think a book about it would be really fun for people to read. I'm also developing an app called Spirit Traveler, which is going to be really fun. I can't wait for this to come out. And, um, I, I just want all your listeners to know I'll keep everybody posted, of course, on my website and social media and whatnot. So, what would what would the app, you know, be what how what would it be used for? How would it be used? Well, I'm I, as a healer, it's very important to me to educate people about the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. So there's a, a lot of uh, information and things you can access about the physical body, your liver, your heart. There's things you can access about the emotional body, the spiritual body, and, and the mental body. And then once you go into that and you access those things, then you can go into other things. And um, it's a very interactive 3D kind of app, and it's super fun. And it's educational at the same time. Um, I have a series out on uh, on YouTube called Earth Angel Diary, and season two of Earth Angel Diary will be premiered on this app when the app comes out. So that'll be really fun too. Yeah, yeah. And you you have a um, lot on Gaia uh, as well. Oh gosh, I've been on Lisa Lisa Gar's show, Inspirations. I've been on. George Nori show at least three times, I think maybe four. And uh, of course, ancient civilizations. I'm on a show called Great Minds. So yeah, I'm all over Gaia and I, I, I love what they offer and the amount of information that you can get uh, from all the different shows and things that they share. So yeah, if, if you don't have a subscription to Gaia, get one because it's really fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's. I think one of the one of the things that has, you know, um, flowered um, mm-hmm. with with the recent stuff that we've been going through are the podcasts, and I think that the podcasts have become a way of really getting information out there, and you know, to the public in in mass ways that is really quite profound, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's definitely. Um, pointed out the fact that that you know when when we can't do what what was normal, there are other ways of getting our information out there. And you know the conventions have gone virtual, and it's 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 very exciting because you know when what is you know when one one door closes, another one opens, and it's very very true. And right. you know you stretch yourself into into other domains. You you begin to work technically at other areas. It's a 
so so often people get to a certain age and they stop growing because they figure they know enough. And right, right. You know, in in my opinion, you, know, you can never know enough. <laughs> and you know, I I tell my clients every day that if you have ever been in a band or or played a, an instrument when you were growing up, or you danced, or you were in theater or you were in drill team, if whatever, gymnastics, if you were in any kind of performance-oriented sport or, or art, you understand what rehearsal is. You've been through rehearsal. You rehearse that song a hundred times. You rehearse that, that, that part you had in the play a million times. That's life. Life is the rehearsal. The grand finale, your death, is the show. That's when you get to do the show. But the, the whole lifetime that you're in, day in and day out, that's the rehearsal. We get a chance to try it again. Oh, I think I'll try a triple pirouette instead of a double. Oh, look, I did it. Oh, no, I fell down. I guess I have to try again. We have all this opportunity to try things on and try them different. And I, I, I'm with you, Barbara. I think it's important, especially as we get older, that we keep learning, that we keep our minds open and we keep expanding and that we keep remembering that we're in the rehearsal because, you know, there, there is no perfect. You know, I, I was trained as a classical ballerina. I danced professionally for about 15 years. I was with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival for 10 of those years. And, uh, you know, believe me, I grew up with the whole perfection idea being a dancer and body type having to be a certain way, et cetera. And I really believe that in all of my dance training and, you know, I danced my whole life. Uh, really, I've danced my whole life and transitioned from dance into yoga but I, I, I believe that if we approach life as the rehearsal space, we give ourselves a lot more latitude to make mistakes or to be wrong or to say, oh, I guess I need to try that again. And most of all, it gives us the space to forgive, to forgive ourselves and to forgive each other. Because we're in a time period right now where I think forgiveness is, uh, is, is a little bit uh, – there's a shortage <laughs> there's a shortage on forgiveness and well, yeah, and I, think, I know where there's i know where there's containers filled with forgiveness that we need to bring back to the you know to the port so well yeah. you know when you stop and think about it you know when 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 we make mistakes that's what we're here to do we're not here to be exactly. perfect we're here to make mistakes and learn from them so it's it's yes. it's big deal you screwed up you won't do that again, right? Or right, yeah, and and it, it's it's sort of like congratulations. This was a this was a doozy, you know. <laughs> this was a major mm-hmm. one for you, but but it's it's and and it's it's sort and, of like you know you kind of you don't go looking to make mistakes, but when you do make one, it's like oh, I must have needed help there, and it's it's really quite amazing. And if you pay attention and. I, I tell this to everybody. If you are observant about your reality, you learn so much more about yourself. And that's, that's right. what you're here to do. That's right. And, and, and you know, Barbara, the other... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 
Oh, the other thing I was going to add to that, because what you're saying is absolutely true, uh, is going to add that that we are we are so um, uh, a lot of people get into a cycle where they're very fixed. They they like their routine. They don't like change. I don't I don't like change. I want the couch there. Don't move the couch. Why do you want to move that around? I like it there. You know, and and we get fixed and we get sort of stuck in these ruts and these patterns. And that's really what's happening all the time with our karma is it creates these cycles or patterns. And we learn that by observing and learning what our emotional wounds are. When we understand that, you know, there's core emotional wounds like, um, I'm not loved. I'm, I'm rejected. I'm, betray- you know, I'm betrayed. I'm alone. I'm, uh, you know, I'm unworthy. You know, all these kinds of core wounds are 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 intricate networks of patterns that get set up. So from the time we're in the womb until three years old, we're imprinting all of our parents' psychology, and we're experiencing our emotional wounds. All that karma came with us. So by the time we're four on up, we're starting to cycle those patterns and we're starting to cycle patterns that when we're adults turn into Broadway level productions. So we're, we're not just going after I feel rejected. We're setting it up so that, you know, our boyfriend rejects us, our best friend rejects us, and our sibling rejects us. And then all our bells ring and go, great. I I am rejected and I'm unworthy and I'm unlovable and boom, all the bells ring and the cycle starts again. So, so the more that we can focus and be clear that it's that wounded little you, that wounded little child, the inner child that needs the healing, that's the one that needs to be cared for and loved and nurtured and given whatever they need then we start to heal the inner. But, we're, you know, as, as, a, as a people, as a society, we, we tend to look outside of ourselves. We want that acknowledgement. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be important. We want to have some kind of value. And right now, unfortunately, we're being shown that the value that people have are the people who are popular online or they're popular on social media, and it makes me so sad because I think about people who are really helping people and changing the world, and they're just working within their community. They're, they're acupuncturists who are seeing people day in and day out in their community. They're, you know, they're healers and doctors and people who are working with the people of their community. And quite frankly, to me, the person who's making my, my, you know, tea latte at Starbucks is just as important to me as the person who's putting needles in me and giving me an acupuncture treatment. You know, I, I see God in everyone, and I think everyone has an individual voice that they speak that's what that's what makes us all different. You know, you speak your voice, Barbara. You have a beautiful tone, and it hits and resonates people in a certain way. 
my voice speaks a different tone and it hits people in, in, in a certain way. And everybody out there listening, all of you have your own tone that's going out into the world and resonating with people in a certain way. And if we can just honor and respect each other for who we are and see each other and say, you know, you're really good at what you do. God, you're a freaking brain surgeon. I mean, how incredible is that? Or you're really good at what you do. You just completely transformed my yard from a shabby looking thing to a beautiful yard. You know, but we have to have respect and honor for each each other, no matter what it is that we're doing. Oh, absolutely, okay. and I think that's where so many so many people don't understand that that they don't have to make they don't have to their their thought is that they have to you know suddenly have headlines about them or they haven't succeeded, and the reality right. is, I mean, I, I have. A freaking amazing son who's 54 years old, and he's got a, a wife of 27 years and two children who are phenomenal. And I take full credit for all of it. So mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like I did that. See that he's successful. You know, he's he's got a good marriage now. I helped that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think we have to we have to have have our life in perspective. You know, we succeed every day. You know, if if we can make somebody feel good, we we've done something good. I, I the random acts of kindness I, I, I preach all the time. You you stop but somebody you know, in the grocery store, you know, and tell them how yes, great they look. Yes. You've made their day. Or buy somebody their coffee and yeah, I, I agree with you. But you know the the story that sticks to me the most and that I make a part of my practice is probably, I don't know, 35, 38 years ago, I had a woman client who her father had died, and she told me, she said, you know, Sonia, um, we promised each other that we would talk to each other when he got to the other side. And and she said, I, I really want to talk to my dad. And, you know, I could see him. He was standing there waiting to talk to her. And he said, he said, honey, it was such a beautiful journey, and it was this brilliant light tunnel that I went through. And he says, it, you know, Grandma was there, and Grandpa was there, everybody was there. It was so wonderful. And he goes, and I had my sit-down meeting with God, which was incredible. And he said, but you know what? He said, what really shocked me is he said, God didn't ask me about all the things that I had done, all the successes that I'd had in my life. I think he was an engineer and, you know, had done some really incredible work. He said, what Uh God asked me is how much did I love? And so I told God, I loved you and your brother and your mother. And of course, grandma and grandpa and, you know, and, and, and my family. And, God looked at him and said, you are meant to love everyone as much as you love your family all over the world. And he said to his daughter, I realized in that moment that I had missed out on so much in my life because I had withheld my love and only kept it for you and your brother and your mother. And here I was supposed to be loving everyone 
around the world as much as I love you. And it makes me cry to tell this story because it it, it just meant so much to me. I've, 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 I've really tried to live my life by his words because they were so powerful that we really are meant to love each other as much as we love our families. So it's, it's my... It's my motto. It's my goal um, to to share with people that you know it's it's not about how much you love your dog or your cat or your children. It's that you're loving everybody, and I mean specifically the people you don't like. Try that. Yeah, everybody usually recoils and goes, "Ew, I don't like that person." You can't. I don't want to love that person. They're horrible, you know. And yet, it's the very darkness that needs the light. And the oh, light absolutely. is what transforms the darkness. Yep. I had an amazing man on the show a while back. He's, he's, um, he wrote a book called Radical Love, and his name was Rabbi Wayne Dosick. And mm-hmm. he, he, said, he said you should put God, God's face on everyone and treat everyone as mm-hmm. though they were God. And yes. If you give everyone the respect and love that you have for God, then then the world will be at peace. And okay. um, it, it was it was amazing. He he he. It, it's, mm-hmm. His book is a great book. It's a book everybody should read. It's just beautifully done. Wonderful. And um, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's there. There is that that element of you know it's 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 not flower power. It's it's yeah. Everybody is is. We are, it's called the family of man for a reason. We're a family. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, all right, you don't, you know, everybody has people in their family that they don't love as much as they love everybody else. But it's mm-hmm. family. And, and in times of stress, um, everybody pulls together. And, you know, if you, if you stop and think about when, like, 9-11 happened, the world stood still and everybody was focused on on the heartbreak of what had happened and That's right. you know and it's there there are the, those moments in time when everything stops and we do become a family and you know we it shouldn't take catastrophes like that for us to remember mm-hmm. that we're all one family and, and unfortunately right. Right. you know and and hopefully we're getting to that point in time where where we'll put aside our, our, our little toys that, that, you know, are trying to better one another. And, you know, I, I'm better than you because I have this many whatevers. But, but yeah, and, and, yeah. and not compare ourselves, but just to celebrate. Um, That's right. I just, That's it, right. And it went, when I moved from Connecticut to the south, you know, a northerner here, now coming into the mm-hmm. south, and people said, uh-oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to stand out like a, um, a sore thumb, and and I said I don't right. think so. And I moved into mm-hmm. a lovely community. There are 14 units here, and I just made it a point to go to every one of them and introduce myself and be as friendly mm-hmm. as I could. And you know something, there there is not a nasty person. Well, there's one nasty person, but but you know she's my challenge. You know I'm going to be mm-hmm. nice to her until she just can't stand it anymore. And she either moves out or she becomes nice, one one way oh. or another. Hey Barbara, um, would yeah. would you mind if I ran and got some water real quick? No, go ahead. I'll sit here and chat okay. with myself. Okay. Okay. I'll um, be right but, back. Sure. 
I, I, I think that the important thing with with love, it, it, it doesn't have to be mushy love. It can be consideration. But when you stop and think, and we're coming up on Christmas time, and everybody is is looking at you know shipping presents and stuff like that 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 you know are maybe screwed up. The most precious gift you can give to another person is your time. It's something that 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 is so precious that if you give them unconditional listening time, if you give them unconditional focus time, if you listen to them and don't say, oh, yeah, I did this or I did that, but just listen to their story, that's the most precious gift you can give to anybody, and it's priceless. And I think so many times when when times are tough and difficult, we forget that, you know, okay, so the stores, you know, aren't maybe going to have what we want, but we can bake stuff, we can make stuff, we can we can do all sorts of wonderful creative stuff, which are the best gifts ever. When yeah. my mother and, and my grandmother pass, passed away, they each had a box of treasures, you know, things that were precious to them. And they were mm-hmm. the cards that we had made when we were children. It was the, the little... Oh the little things that we made that that were were very crude but um mm-hmm. but those are the things that they treasured not not the things that we spent great amounts of money on and so we're coming to a time where it's gift giving time and it's not a contest as to how much money you spend it's it's a it, the the point is how much time did you put into creating this gift for someone else and, That's a really you, good point, Barbara. That's a really good point. I love that. Well, I think we forget that that mm-hmm. um, you know I I bake Christmas cookies and people love Christmas cookies and and yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. it takes time. It doesn't take it takes a little money, but it doesn't take money money, and it's uh it's. It's important because, you know, um, I try very hard to make things for people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I will, I will grant you sometimes my craftsmanship is not as good as it could be, but, but the reality is people appreciate the fact that I struggle to do something for them as opposed to just going out to mm-hmm. a store and bought them a gift. And, and I think it's, it's something that That's we forget lovely. at this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, God, we all live by Amazon. One click and you bought it. I mean, yeah, yeah kind of hard hard to compete with that unless you're my sister who's constantly crocheting the world a new hat, which I love and I'm grateful for her and all her crocheting. I actually saw a hilarious mem on, on uh, Facebook of these kids wearing these elaborate alien costumes that were crocheted and the the title of the picture was when grandma has too much time on her hands <laughs> and it was it was brilliant though they were such cool costumes and i i um yeah i think it's important that we all remember that we can we can get ourselves involved in a project and i i want to talk about this because whether you're time traveling or you're you're you know you're in meditation. The the most important part of all of it is to keep your mind clear. And I I had a conversation with God once, and God actually many times, but God said to me, um, "It's when 
you're busy thinking about things that you are actually blocking your connection to me. Your mind must be clear. And it's like, well, of course, Uh you know, this, this chatter that goes on for everybody. And again, we go back to that fearful chatter of, you know, what's going on in the world and what's going to happen. And I feel something coming, but I can't put my finger on it. It's like, it, this is the, this is the test. This is the acid test for everybody to get centered. And you know, I started what's called the Meditation Peace Project because of the the pandemic, because of people being sequestered, and because of the amount of fear and hopelessness that I was hearing day in and day out. And the Meditation Peace Project is once a month. I hold a free online uh, Zoom meditation that I guide everybody through. I take everybody through my grounding meditation, and we go into a very deep state of inner peace. And from there, we do a lot of work. We work on ourselves. We work on, on the whole planet. We work on our loved ones. The angels always come in and do a healing on everyone. So it's a super, super you know, action-packed, powerful one hour. And I, I actually, as my Christmas present to all, I call them my Jedi. The people who have signed up, I call them, you guys are my Jedis. Um, I'm doing two in December. But I, I can't I- encourage people enough to, you know, sign up. It's free and, and be a part of this because every month we make headway. We go in and kind of get out of our own way so that we can be in a state of peace. And, and peace has a higher frequency than the word love, which I find very interesting and very uh, notable. Uh, love actually in the earth plane is still a part of duality because the opposite of love is hate. It's not until we move into divine love that we step out of that dualistic experience of love uh-huh. so um there's there's some there's some really good you know opportunity um if if your listeners are interested to come in to this free meditation i would love it it'd be really fun oh do, do you want to give out the site the website or whatever it, oh sure um, yeah my, my website my website is sonia s-o-n-j-a grace g-r-a-c-e dot com soniagrace.com and you can find me on instagram the real sonia grace i'm on facebook mystic healers sonia grace i'm on twitter i'm on all of it so you guys can find me but i i yeah i'd love to um i'd love to hear and see everybody that's out there and you know i'm i'm always uh, a big uh promoter of all of us raising our vibration to such a point that we are no longer uh, contending with some of the things that we have to deal with in the unseen world, entities uh-huh. and, you know, alien stuff. And I, I just think it's, it's such a, uh, uh, it's more important now than ever because we're in the fifth dimension. If the fifth dimension isn't going to meet you where you are. You have to rise up and meet it. So it's up to uh-huh. us to really be in that higher state of consciousness. Super, super well, important. I think, 
you mentioned something earlier that is um I have found I have found that that knitting or crocheting or doing needlepoint any of those is an amazing mm-hmm. form of meditation because it takes your yes. focus off of everything else and mm-hmm. a number of years ago I taught my granddaughter I think she was maybe 7 years old I taught her how to knit and mm-hmm. after we after we got to the point where she was actually knitting um I said to her now, because we were working on a scarf for her that we did, she did complete. And um, I said, now do you want to put magic into it? And I, I saw her mother cringing because I, I don't know where she thought I was going. But And my granddaughter mm-hmm. said, um, yeah, how do we put magic in? And I said, okay. So the rule is that anytime you pick up and you're working on this, you're thinking happy thoughts and loving thoughts of everybody. And mm-hmm. what you're thinking goes into the knitting and that means that the scarf will always surround you with love. And mm-hmm. um, she still has the scarf, and this is many years later. Mm-hmm. But you know, and and it's her, it's her loving scarf. It's 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 something that well that she and I made together. But but that you know we put magic in it because we thought only loving happy thoughts when we were working on it for for mm-hmm. her. And you know you can you can. It's it's very true. There's a there's a movie out there called um, Like Water for Chocolate, and yeah, I've um, seen that. That's a great movie. <laughs> it, it's mm-hmm. it's fabulous in in that in that the loving energy you put into something like cooking manifests mm-hmm. itself when when people are eating it, and it's it's the same right. way with 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 you know creating a painting for somebody or drawing a card for somebody. You know, make your own Christmas cards. Get the glue and litter, glitter out and make your own Christmas mm-hmm. cards. People will save them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. the cards that you can you can get on the Internet are, are really cool and they're animated and everything, but let me tell you, if you mm-hmm. sit and you draw and you color and you put glitter and stuff like that, people will look at mm-hmm. the card and, and probably question your artwork but will appreciate what it is you've done for them. So, yeah. Um, well, and and I think another another thing, Barbara, that's really important for people in their expression of all that's going on is that we are creative, that we are doing things to sort of express what's happening. Because you know, I have clients who talk to me, you know, once a week or once a month or you know whatever. But regular clients who have been with me for years, some that are new. And 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 the expression of of that you know their need to express themselves and their fear and their anxiety and this happened and so and so died and blah de blah de blah. It's like it's so important for us to have these outlets right now. And we got a bit paralyzed because of lockdown. You know, everybody just it's like oh yeah I I paint but no I haven't been painting because I'm paralyzed by this whole thing. So we got to get out of the paralysis and get back into the groove, even if we're staying home more now, of being creative. Because just as Barbara said, it will get you out of your thinking brain and put you into your right brain, which is going to help you to be in a much more receptive state. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep your mind clear, which is where we all need to stay right now. Minds are clear. Oh, yeah. we, are, we are manifesting so fast. The future being in a liquid state right now, you know, we can all 
put our focus on a thought and say, okay, everybody who's listening, let's manifest chocolate cake. We all want chocolate cake tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll bet you half of the people who are listening to this show are going to end up with somebody bringing them chocolate cake or somehow chocolate cake comes in. But that's how I would, fast yeah. we're creating. That's how fast it is. And so for well, and, us you know, to do projects and create at home, I think, is, is uh, a way of getting some of that fear and anxiety grounded. Absolutely. And I tell everybody that I work with that, that you know, you have to do something creative every day. And when people call me and they say, I'm blocked and I can't do this, and they know if they're a long-time mm-hmm. client, the first thing I'm going to say is, so what are you doing creatively? And 100% of the time it's like, well, nothing, but I'm depressed. And I said, well, mm-hmm. I know how to get out of being depressed. You get creative. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, you know, yeah, and, and it's that simple. Um, if you, if you, and it doesn't have, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be Michelangelo. You don't have to do the Sistine Chapel. Um, but, but, you know, do something creative, whether it's color, whether it's arranging your closet according to color, whether it's alphabetizing all of the stuff in your medicine cabinet, whether it is, you know, (laughs) just deciding, you know, putting a different color nail polish on every finger and, and waiting to see what people think. I mean, you can do silly, creative things that will bring laughter mm-hmm. into your life and help you to mm-hmm. break whatever it is that is holding you, st- you know, stagnant in place because that's right, all it takes. Right. And, and, and it's a matter of, you know, just uh, find what works and, and, and switch mm-hmm. it, you know. Each, each, you know. One of the f- most fun things that I, I have done is going out to dinner with friends. Now, we used to, um, and, and I'm sure we will again, but every now and then I would order a meal backwards. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would start with dessert, and then I would go with the main course, and then I would have salad, and I'd have an appetizer. And if if all's right in the heavens and the creek don't rise, I, I would end with another dessert because I was ready for another one. Mm-hmm. So, that's great. Right, That's great. You know, you know Barbara, um, I think I, I think the last thing that I really wanted to share with your audience is when um, you know when people are interested in you know maybe learning how to be more psychic or you know they really want to go into the healing arts or they want to. Uh, learn how to, you know, do various things that that are in the unseen world. Um, I said this at the top of the show, and I I just can't stress it enough. Get a good teacher. Have a really good teacher. I train people. You you can look at that on my website. But get a good teacher because there's a lot of people, and, you know, Barbara and I are of a similar era that we both grew up under the shadow of Sylvia Brown and Donna Eden, oh, yeah. who was one of my teachers, and, uh, you know, people who back in the day were, were freaking pioneers in this industry, putting a whole lot on the line for the people. I mean, they, they sacrificed a lot because they did not have 
the support or the platform or the, hey, everybody's a psychic now kind of mentality. And I have so much respect for all of the old guard that you know as well, Barbara. Um, and, I, and I can't say enough about, you know, what they, the trail they blazed for the rest of us. I, I studied with Donna when I was, you know, 17 years old. I mean, I taught her how to French braid her hair, and <laughs> she taught me energy <laughs> medicine before she ever was eating energy medicine. And, and you know, she sent me to my first teacher, and I worked with her for uh, a long time, and then I went back and worked with Donna, and then I worked with my third teacher. And, you know, I, I – I really can't stress enough to people, if you want to learn the healing arts or any kind of work in this realm, um, a, a very strong foundation, a, a platform of integrity and understanding and truth and, you know, dedication and being, you know, being in service to creator, to the earth. Is, is so important. It's so, so important. I get calls all day long from people who have had a weekend Reiki course or, you know, they studied uh, for a month with so-and-so and now they've put a shingle up and they can't figure out why they have, they don't have any clients. And it's like, oh, my oh. God, I, you know, it's, it's not enough. And people don't know how to protect themselves. And some people bury their head in the sand and say, oh, well, if I don't think it's there, it's not going to hurt me. And it's like, you know, there's, there's a whole lot to this that Barbara does that I do that many people do out there who have been at it for a long, long time that, um, that, that really needs to be learned. And I, I, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir to your listeners, but I really encourage people to get a teacher because it, it is it's invaluable and it will always be a guiding light that helps you through many many things that you might go through. Oh, absolutely, and and I, I found that that so many teachers are are people that aren't bragging about what they do they just live their belief system and you know mm -hmm. they're the wisest people out there uh yeah. you know i studied for years in a spiritualist church and and then in other areas as well so that so that they're mm -hmm. uh, this is you know the the journey itself is a marathon it's not a sprint and yeah. it's it's something that that you are constantly retuning yourself. I mean, I I've been at this for 50 years, and mm -hmm. every time I think you know I have a handle on something, I I discover that I don't, <laughs> and and mm -hmm. it's so exciting mm -hmm. because it means there's more to learn, there's more to grow, there's more to expand into, and and it's 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 profoundly exciting and enlightening uh, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. you know, Chris. Chris, I have. I have the best PhD program in the entire world because I have the radio show and I can determine mm -hmm. areas I want to learn in and then um, I I get the author of whatever book it is, um, who I mm -hmm. probably couldn't afford to pay, to tutor me for two mm -hmm. hours. And all I have to do is read the book and then I get tutored for two hours. So and and I always right. make a friend. I mean, it, that's the coolest thing about mm -hmm. doing the, the podcast. But you know, it's 
it's definitely my way it's, of it's learning wonderful. and growing. It is. It's really wonderful. And, and you know, I, I, I think about um, when I um, – when when I do, for, you know, until we went into shutdown, I was doing meditation retreats all over the world. And, you know, a lot of my spirit travels would inspire me to go to various places around the world and see them. I didn't make it to Egypt in time, but I still want to go. And, and it's I, still there. You know, I feel it's still there, I know. But I feel that um, people have this um, uh, opportunity, if you will, to explore a lot of things in a new way. And, of course, that's through meditation, um, something mm-hmm. that, you know, has has been a mainstay for humanity since, you know, the beginning of time. I mean, it's it's a powerful tool. And if you're not feeling like you can get out there and move around and, you know, travel and go places or, you know, you're not allowed to get on a plane. Uh, meditation is probably your your best friend and a way that you can experience so much more. And I, I, uh-huh. I love traveling. I love being able to do my meditation retreats. I love to sit with people in person. But right now I'm doing everything on Zoom and everybody is having as profound of an experience, if not more so, being on Zoom. So go figure you know it's it's a wonderful tool and i'm i'm very grateful barbara that you have this show and i'm i'm so uh, grateful to your listeners to um you know get to hear about spirit traveler and and to hear about various places you know that i visited and you know i hope that everybody goes out and gets the book and and gives it a read um because it's it's fun it's fun to learn why they put those giant stones up at Stonehenge and, you know, what was Hagar Quim about? Oh my God, that is like the most powerful place uh, of the Island of Malta. And, you know, these, these, these incredible rooms where all these things happened around fertility and women giving birth and all kinds of fertility rituals. And at the very end of the, of the temple are these two rooms one represents uh, all things positive, and the other one represented all things negative. And the the um, the the goddess who greeted me in this temple said that the she wanted me to step into the room on the light uh, on the left. And this was all the things in the light. This was all this good feel. I felt so good. I was like, oh, I feel so good in here. It was wonderful. <laughs> and she brought me out and she said, now I want you to step into this room. And it was the most horrific, terrifying feeling I've ever had in my life. It was everything bad that you could think of. And I came out running out of there and she, she held my hands and she said, we keep the balance of duality in this temple. We keep the balance. That's why these two rooms exist, is so that the world will remain balanced. And, you know, it, it's so true. It's like, you know, I go out to Hopi and my my Hopi family, you know, we go to a ceremony and, you know, the whole thing is about keeping the earth in balance. It's about fertility. It's about rain. 
It's about the rain coming and giving us crops and food. And it's the simple things like that that are so important. And I go back to what I said at the beginning. If we can just stay in the center, keep the balance, and remain in our peace, because our peace allows us to step out of duality and simply observe it. So that would be my... uh, my overall message for everyone is stay in peace because that way you can observe what's going on. Well, I think that's a beautiful way to end the show. Um, I, I, I noticed our, our time is gone, and, and I, I so am appreciative of your sharing all of your wisdom with us, and I look forward to having you back on again. And uh, we can delve into some more of this stuff. Yay, thank you. Take good care. It's wonderful to get to talk with you, and thank you to all your listeners. Thank you, and good night now. And, um, good night. Good night. Good night, everybody, and thank you for listening. And uh, this will be up on YouTube uh, in just a short while. So if you want to check it out again and, and take notes again, uh, that's where you're going to find it. And, and if you do enjoy this show and the other shows that are up there on YouTube, there are I think about 500 of them right now. Um, please, please uh, follow, follow or subscribe whichever button is up there, and let us know that you're listening because uh, that's how I know you're listening. If as the readership and the listenership expands, that I know that we're hitting more and more people all the time. So thank you for listening, and uh, tomorrow night Mark has a great show as well. So tune back in then. Until then, good night, everybody. Stay well, stay happy.